Act One of the Princess Zubaroff by Ronald Furbank. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae Adrian Schielmeyer. Read by Peter Yearsley. Eric Tressilian. Read by Chuck Williamson. Lord Orkish. Read by Nick Bulka. Mostignor Vanhove. Read by Alan Mapstone. Reggie Quintus. Read by Thomas Peter. Angelo. Read by Sandra. Nadine Schielmeyer. Read by Kay Hand. Enid Tressilian. Read by Abai. Lady Rocktower. Read by Beth Thomas. Glida, her daughter. Read by Lian Ya. Marquesa Pitticonti. Read by Eva Davis. Dante Silio Paolo, her son. Read by Nemo. Mrs. Negris. Read by Kalinda. Mrs. Mangrove. Read by Vivian Weaver. Princess Zubaroff. Read by Sonia. Narration read by Todd. Act One. Scene One. Florence. Early summer. The garden of the Casa Mayor. Oleanders. Giant ilex. Judas trees. Flowering hibiscus. A few long green palms. In their blue shade, a peacock or two. A pillared circle of Bougainvillea wreathed arches supporting a hammock right through which a portion of the house can be seen. Within the circle, a faded marble statue, representing an effigy of the Virgin Mary, and a miscellaneous array of easy chairs, two or three, and a portable table holding magazines and books, extending down. A rustic arch left leading to roadway. Distant prospect, Florence. Time, afternoon. Adrian. Eric. Where are they? Nadine and Enid have gone hunting together. Hunting? For antiques. Poking round for antiques. And we've been barely married a week. Adrian shrugs. <sighs> Our marriage is monkey. This little jaunt of ours ought to clear the air. Do you know, I believe Enid would be positively glad if I didn't return to her again. She seemed quite bright at lunch. Precisely. <laughs> Between ourselves, I begin to fear we've both made mistakes. I'm glad you can laugh. I can't help it. Thank goodness we shall start tomorrow without them. Yes, Nadine loathes the Engadine. Mountains depress her nature. Do all mountains? Anything she can't see over. Their rarefied atmosphere braces me. I'm never so well as in it. It can be had as well at home. Picking up a book, which he scans. She read romances night and day, and wished to live them after the fashion of the shepherds of Astria. She slept upon a sofa painted like grass, and in a room representing trees and sheepfolds, and when the beloved arrived, she would softly recite the eclogues of Fontenelle, 
would talk of tender flames the sensitive heart and dish up all the mawkishness of the operas princess Subarov has been lending me a moyer some books one's inclined to be diffident of her influence her heart's desire now i'm told is to make her peace with heaven i know of nothing more dangerous but i can scarcely believe it one hears strange stories of her rumours in fact she fascinates nadine and enid and here they are scene two same nadine shielmeyer loaded with bric-a-brac enid tresillian both are ultra beautifully dressed mrs shielmeyer's hat is one mass of quivering grasses don't bother enid airily helping her an imaginary footman helps what have you been getting such enthralling things let's see no 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 peevish she's fagged i fear by our expedition i'm not we've been to ishmael levy ah beware of fakes he offered us a lucia bearing her eyes upon a dish a supposed original of masaccio and a fantastic moreau like some strong perfume he did a head and hands business oh and who should there enter as we were glancing around but blanche 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 negress who's she but so charming and so different to the rest then she must be refreshing what induced you to ask her here this evening enid by the way because i thought it might be fun you know she writes things for the papers what sort of things oh don't ask me what sort of things nadine throwing her purchases down upon a table she was telling us at the bretagne they charge her more to board her great dane than they do for her maid perhaps it eats more talking of eating do you wish for a collation at daybreak before you start no thanks you're packed not quite could i do anything oh, it's good of you dear but there's practically nothing to do i suppose you're feeling pleasurably excited at the thoughts of tomorrow why not remember won't you eric to gather a little edelweiss if you should notice any yes don't forget that though no accidents mind naturally say out straight what you mean can't you what i mean <sighs> i don't go in for arriere pensee Oh, really eric your hypersensitiveness would try an archangel i think oh would it poor child don't mind him one knows his bow-wow ways i'll not be long dear kissing her fingertips to her i've a very little letter i must write must you enid moving towards house oh, just a few hurried flying lines eric following her and i've some business too Scene three. Adrian, Nadine. Their married voices. I could laugh when I think of her answering congratulatory letters still. She is having rather a pale sort of honeymoon, apparently. If she's neglected, whose fault is it? You surely don't think it's mine. I do. You dare to say that? Don't let's repeat Egypt. Adrian, shuddering. Not for the universe. He'd better look out. 
She's just in the mood for fireworks. Is she the deuce? I know Enid better than Eric. She and I were at school together. What possessed you to ask her here for her honeymoon? Nadine, sentimentally staring at the tip of her shoe. Because I don't know. I wish to lend her a little support. Chaperone her, so to speak, the difficult first days. Poor darling, she had nobody. She was very unhappy at home. Eric and I, we too were at school together. Bah! Don't talk to me of Eric. He was my friend. What do I care? You tiresome woman. How dare you call me tiresome? Enid, returning. Excuse me, Nadine, but what is Charlotte's address? Coombe Court, Straithfield, say. And Elise? Five Rue Saganorel. Oh, thank you, dear. She goes in. I can't bear to see her look so bored. Bored? Poor little soul. It makes one weep to look at her. I never saw anyone so... Looking. What? Nothing. Nadine, putting up her sunshade. I believe you were going to insult her. I? I fancy you were about to say something unkind. Oh, that I leave to your Florentine friends. To whom do you refer? Adrian, lighting a cigarette. I refer to Lord Orkish. Ah. And to Mrs. De Wilson. Oh. And to Zena Zuboroff. Zena? But Zena adores Enid. Rot. She adores her. The garden gate opens, and the Princess Zuboroff, a very pale, vaguely sinister-looking woman of about thirty-five, enters. She wears a riding habit, rather than Lou, fringed with sables. In lieu of a riding crop, she holds a fan. I just looked in to say goodbye. Scene four. Adrian, Nadine, Princess. What a charming surprise. We were this moment speaking of you, dear. Princess, coming forward. Of me? Oh, and what were you saying of me? I was telling Adrian how fond of Enid you seemed. How could one help loving her? Well, and what have you been doing? I'm just back from, oh, such a heavenly ride, halfway to Vallombrosa. But wasn't it grilling? We may expect a storm before morning, I think. Princess, drawing off her gloves. Rain is needed badly. It would do the young vines good. And the garden, too. Yours is a paradise. Those purple tragic roses. Tell me, how are they named? I forget. I love the flowers. They talk to me. I love the birds. They sing to me. What have they told you? if it's not indiscreet. They say that opera cloaks this spring are going to make one seven good feet across the shoulders. Ah! And that sandals shortly are coming in. What else? Princess, stooping. Let me admire your heliotropes. Your own garden, Princess, you know, is all our envy. <sighs> this year I'm very vain of my poem grenades. I don't wonder. My beloved garden, you should see it early, at break of day, when dawn makes its white holes through the trees. 
perhaps tomorrow they will and so you're really off yes to those ridiculous mountains why do you say ridiculous aren't they not that i'm aware of i am always disappointed with mountains there are no mountains in the world as high as i could wish no they irritate me invariably i should like to shake switzerland looks at her hands you have the perfectest hands zina have i you know you have how angry admired my hands he quite worshipped my little fingers scene five same enid Ugh, i can't write letters while eric is fidgeting about wait till we're alone tomorrow yes i think so oh zina goes to her princess regarding her with pensive interest you look done in dear totally done in do i those great fatigued eyes she does far too much last night she was chasing bats after midnight with a long white rosary have you seen yet all the inevitable sights oh heavens no beyond a few churches i've seen nothing whatever really imagine i haven't been at all to the bargello i was there one morning lately with one of the hope girls oh it was dreadful she would scream at everything that attracted her and fall upon her knees and kiss and touch the things i consider the eldest miss hopes a disgrace to england you see her wool gathering about the streets garbed in an old violet velvet sack her hat set crooked crammed with flowers yes and toshi too is aside toshi mr hope the father of the english colony you know of course he's going to show me some time where one can get venetian glass princess leaning on the back of a garden chair i have passed through all the feds i suppose myself in furniture and pictures and books and now all i ask for is a cell give me a room with nothing in it mm, how horribly dull it must need courage to be so eclectic not really i often think i would rather like to run a convent oh zina for little girls not for sour old women have you remarked the cosmopolitanized faces of the nuns one meets hereabouts no it's so curious princess beating the air dreamily with her fan florence i always say it's a place one drifts to in the end it's a pity perhaps so many what shall i say people do princess with a swift bright look i hear reggie quintus is in the town looking quite lawless reggie oh lady rocktower saw him one would like to be kind to the boy on account of his poor darling mother but it's a little difficult all the same he has the manners of one who has nothing to lose and perhaps something to gain perhaps he's so good-looking too good-looking for a man i don't intend ever having anything to do with him no well perhaps you're wise enid looking towards house 
why is eric beckoning i expect he wants his revenge at billiards go to him then won't you dear don't mind us i will exit adrian to house scene six princess nadine enid this evening i feel so reckless so reckless i could wear a forehead ornament besides a hat princess fingering where did you get that love of a gown it was part of my corbeille my dear you have the instinct for dress i never saw anything so perfect oh is there anything the matter what have you done with your wedding ring i took it off what for i don't mean to wear one but my dear nonsense you must why i insist oh, of course if you're really keen where is it on the dressing-table in my room i'll go and find it at once exit nadine to house scene seven princess enid princess a short silence he has not been cruel no you will make a fatal mistake dear enid if you allow him to go shall i remember the foreign colony here is a very hornet's nest i can't help it princess putting an arm about her how are you with him since lunch he and i are on tolerable terms again since lunch after all it's really rather risible i don't consider it risible in the very least not it's an unprecedented honeymoon even for florence oh, don't let's grow solemn in my opinion marriage was something altogether too excessive for such very light desires desires smiles wanely both he and i are dead to any wish don't say so ah but i do what made you accept him then tell me it was purely a match of reason at home i was generally in the way mamma and i were nothing but rivals but let's not talk about it as a raw girl i had a disrelish for marriage too but my parents sensibly made me and when my first husband died why i soon remarried and when he poor fellow succumbed he was a world-renowned explorer i was induced to listen again slight pause and i've been married in all six times ah what a wonderful accumulation of experience you must have zina yes when i want to impress a stranger i carry their miniatures on my wrists three on each arm your last marriage was it happy my last marriage my dear was one long game of hide and seek i feel discouraged a husband one must remember is something of an acquired taste are they all alike why of course not aren't they princess nibbling her fan <laughs> no really you provoke me to laugh i've been married a week and it isn't at all what i thought it would be poor darling how i would love to spoil you you dear but you do 
not enough oh zina princess caressing admiringly her hair not nearly enough elflox i'm all foolish nerves tonight poor angel baby waif enid closing her eyes what would you advise make the most of youth remember nothing lasts you think i should take a lover no no you'd regret it there's no telling eventually of course you'll build a bridge impossible Tuh. he's so altered how his tastes they jar <sighs> dreadfully his hellenism once captivated me but opening her eyes gloomily as wide as she is able the attic to him means nothing now but servants bedrooms servants what closets princess behind her fan oh it's revolting in life to be happy the first rule is to learn pretty extensively to ignore i suppose dearest you were never situated before as i am princess nodding yes indeed one of my husbands also left me oh zina left me even sooner than yours it isn't credible he said a thousand tender pretty things called me a thousand charming names and then at the end of twenty-four hours he deserted me what did you do what could i do if eric deserts me i dare say i could start an art school here it would be rather fun darling enid anything rather than that but why because scene eight same nadine nadine flourishing wedding ring here it is oh thank you nadine put it on it's far too hot to wear a ring rubbish for me dearest say you will very well then i will princess over brimming with quiet fun how oh, she dreads a scandal nadine her sensitive panic patently subsiding well it's not quite pleasant is it and foreign servants are such fools they'd think it was a faux menage or something as if i care were i she i'd allow myself perhaps a little sneer i don't mean to upset my expression on eric's account but only a little tiny one enid toying listlessly with her ring oh don't ask me please to wear another thing more even a sneer for his good one could wish he'd some interest a man should have aspirations i always contend ah there my dear i'm with you when i think that one of caligula's horses was a member of parliament and when i remember what a plain simple cow rose to be i own i'm mortified at eric's unambition what did the plain simple cow rise to be she rose to be an empress an empress or a goddess was it i'm sure i forget a piano organ is heard suddenly beyond the garden gate horrid to be outdone by animals enid to dance air taking a few tripping steps 
well my dears it's been a week of wonders what is that nadine raising her voice a little because of the organ she says it's been a week of wonders poor child a week ago she was an insouciant girl insouciant princess watching the bride with a mistrustful eye i only hope she won't take to narcotics we must not let her brood the organ stops one day soon enid let us ride together there's nothing i'd like more only i've nothing to ride i'm afraid i will find you a charming little horse enid dropping to her knees upon the grass what a darling you are princess plying her fan galloping down some green cattle track in the cool of evening child you will soon forget your worries enid nestling your habit smells of arcady of what arcady beyond the porta san gallo i often dismount and walk enchanting there's a road bordered by wild acacias i yearn to show you yes and at its end there's a calvary and a church designed by andrea ocagna with the loveliest windows one might perhaps do a sketch or something the green brightness of the glass is amazingly nice and such touching mosaics they are you'll see enter through arch left lady rock tower an uncommonly long and lean woman once a well-known beauty scene nine same lady rock tower lady rock tower hand extended advancing to nadine i wrote to you about a week ago asking you to dinner and having received no answer i thought i would ascertain nadine retaining lady rock tower's hand captive in her own an instant in token of contrition did i never answer both lord rock tower and i will be so disappointed if you fail us to-morrow night to-morrow night i fear we shall be without either adrian or eric are they leaving florence yes dear me i didn't know they're leaving us and italy i trust nothing serious nothing very that's right to enid my dear what a foreign behind i didn't recognize you at first how do you like my cinquecento jacket your fastidious imaginative dresses would not suit everyone fortunately lady rock tower looking about her where's glider i don't know she came a few yards with me and suddenly exclaimed oh bother and then rushed back your daughter i expect will be here directly lady rock tower shaking hands with princess very cordially dear princess although you live within a stone's throw one sees simply nothing of you yes how is it i wonder i don't remember ever having seen you at my musicale unfortunately but i hear it was quite wonderful with julie bonbon and emma block who told you mr waterbird i must protest he wasn't there oh i can't be civil to a political traitor my dear in politics there is no honor disraeli has said so anyway i should never invite the waterbirds i regard mrs waterbird as no acquisition 
i watched her in the mirror once acting a little pantomime behind my back nadine adjusting a pin they say she has three lovers three surely three lovers would be very inspiring how is it i'd like to know you're parting so soon with yours were i a new-made wife i'd hold my husband tight grip his coat-tails and not let go his going is of little consequence really it's soon to play penelope yet princess a shadow of recollection crossing her face were i driven to choose i'd prefer neglect i think to surfeit that i suppose depends upon the man <laughs> a husband's attention soon grows savourless enid her eyes raised towards the gallery he married me in creaking shoes what his shoes creaked when he married me i conclude you've been catching glimpses of each other glimpses i believe this is nothing but a touch of sex antagonism which presently will pass enid evidently pleased with the consequence of the situation this morning my maid found three little grey ones hairs darling enid she talks like an old woman and she's a mere finesse still were i you my dear i would go for him tooth and nail i always pour oil on troubled waters harmony for me three little grey ones she goes up stage enumerating them upon her fingers and disappears after a moment in the garden nadine following her with a look now she has gone off into some jewelled hades of her own i'm bewildered to know what to advise it's difficult to interfere enid and eric vying in vanity with each other as they do they're not sufficiently different one feels to be happy together enid's clever of course but she needs directing one comfort is there's no issue my dear give them time it's quite dreadful to hear her refer to her wedding day as black tuesday thank heaven marriage isn't indissoluble they're unreckonably temperamental both of them people of their sort oughtn't to marry last night she had a bad crease de nerfs and began calling sixteen the old age of youth princess fluttering her fan is she only sixteen nadine ignoring the interruption so this morning i sent her into town for dr matter i don't think much of dr Marta. he'll tell you of all sorts of things to avoid things that in any case it would never occur to one to take what did he say he has ordered her milk and the wings of chickens enter glida rocktower aged eleven she is pale plump precocious an attaching manner scene ten same glida ah eccola a wicked peach glida standing legs apart and swinging insolently her skirts i met some people in the lane who guess i can't glida pirouetting preening herself apollo and lord orkish apollo who reggie quintus oh i told them you were here they're coming in enter lord orkish he is despite exile and certain age all cheerfulness gaiety and sweet good humour 
Behind him, Reggie Quintus, incredibly young, incredibly good-looking. No one would suppose him to have figured as hero already in at least one cause célèbre. His manner, which is somewhat subdued, alternates between the demi-dazed and the demi-demure. Scene 11. Same. Lord Orkish, Reggie Quintus. Do we intrude? Delighted. We've just been paying our visite de digestion on Comtesse Willie White, and are on our way to Salute at San Lorenzo. There's no immediacy, is there? Lord Orkish, shaking hands. Why, none. Perhaps you can inform me if Madame Gandarella is still at the villa? Yes, and Santuza. <laughs> that poor Santuza. She has the most fearful English accent in the world. Where is it? What is it? Who could have taught her, I wonder? People are circulating such dreadful stories. What about? I am so newsy. I feel I must tell it to somebody, if only a lizard or a butterfly or a garden snail. Sit down and tell us instead. All but imperceptibly, twilight begins to form. I've but just this afternoon heard the Alpmurials are leaving one another. Mrs. Atmuriel, in fact, is already gone. Gone? Where? Away. Dear me. Instead of surprising them, he found them unmysteriously eating. Eating? Only imagine. And he with his drawn sword. Or revolver, was it? Oh. Lord Orkish, playing extinct eyes. Sir Dolphin Lewis is defending her. And what else, Lord Orkish, did you hear at the Villa White? That the new American ambassadress likes to be thought a little grisette. I sat next to her a short while ago at the Teatro Valley. You did not tell me you had been to Rome? Reggie, in a voice which is rather like cheap scent. Perhaps you won't agree, but I consider Florence's fewer amenities than Rome. It depends on what one means by amenities, quite. Reggie, regarding thoughtfully his white compact hands. I always feel a sort of malaise in Florence. Why, I can't tell. I fear the morals of the town are not especially high. A neighbor of ours sent her little maid the other night across the piazza for a bottle of French brandy, and she has not been heard of again. How dreadful! Enid, coming down with a watering-can of Pissarro pottery in her hand. She is smiling, and has tucked into her dress a huge blue passion-flower. I heard men's voices. Lord Orkish has been regaling us with a whole rosary of piquant anecdotes. Really? Nadine, to Lord Orkish. You such wonderful entrone men. I'm never bored. I enjoy everything. So do I, too. I love society. Alone with my shadow, I'm soon depressed. And where have you been to, Reggie, this perfect age? Reggie, bending his head a little on one side, to inhale the scent of the tuberose flowers that are in his buttonhole. I and a friend of mine, Claude Cloudley, we've been visiting all the peas. All the what? Pavia, Palmer, Padua, Perugia, Pisa. Is it a method? Claude's such an extremist, you know. 
they say when he kissed the pope's slipper <clears throat> he went on to do considerably more what's he like reggie he's rather good-looking in a sickly sort of way what a description i expect he's very good-looking reggie smiling he's sickly i remember him coming to see me once in england with his dripping umbrella shall you be going to england princess later on princess cooling her cheeks with a powder puff perhaps if i can afford it to hear her speak she might be a poor clare our villa is let for the coming villeggiatura to madame olga vitena gemot the famous singer and my husband is rampant with me because rinaldo renetti re-enter eric with billiard cue scene twelve same eric eric to enid shake me a cocktail darling do oh don't ask me to do anything so violent eric where is angelo nadine who looks as though she would be also glad of some refreshment herself what shall it be west coast manhattan kiss me quick uh, let it be a gloom razor there's no more absinthe i fear than a champagne cobbler will you excuse me exit nadine to house now i'm going to scold him no lady rocktower and princess zubaroff shall second me oh please i'm unrepresented she drifts away bonacera he begins balancing his billiard cue in the palm of his hand. Enid, with an ironic glance, follows Princess towards Hammock, where Lord Orkish and Reggie have commenced rocking Glida. He is the eternal masculine. Lady Rocktower, tout entière à sa parole attachée. Heartless man. And so you're going to leave us? For a time. You propose, of course, returning. Oh, i expect so i think enid is a saint about it all for a honeymoon's a honeymoon however one looks at it bored people do desperate things why on earth did you marry eric ceasing juggling uh, i was only half serious when i proposed and she accepted you i never expected to be taken quite a pied de lettre. fool i beg your pardon i said insensate he continues his experiments with the cue come down to us a little more forsake those heights eric turning away <sighs> if i leave you for a moment will you forgive me enid reapproaching lady rocktower please he seems determined let him go he has nice eyes there's something agreeably piquant almost about his excessive leanness perhaps so and i don't so much detest his big bold nose tell me dear were you solicited besides was i did anyone else ask you i should say so indeed i might have married whom i liked you seem to have selected an enigma enid playing with her passion flower i will say this for eric he isn't colonel 
he isn't carnal enough my dear from what i can see half to herself he must have the blood of an eskimo i scarcely realized i suppose at the time of my marriage i was taking him on for a term of years oh but it won't be years a term of weeks dear more like at the rate things go i think my nerves need mozart enter angelo a boy of sixteen fair sleek languishing a benzogazzoli bearing a tray with lemonade sorbets fruit etc he wears a trim black livery with violet-colored facings and shoulder knots. Scene thirteen. Same. Angelo. Lady Rocktower, helping herself recklessly to strawberries. I will order a novena said for you. Attracted by Angelo and the tinkle of ice, Glida and Reggie come down, followed more leisurely by Lord Orkish and Princess. Later Nadine. The twilight deepens. Lights here and there shine from town i believe strawberries are the clue to my heart are they i'm most awfully free on the fruit glida circling butterfly about i'm fond of grapes and apricots if they're green i can't say i like bananas fastidious child oh i adore them how much as a russian does a niece angelo backing him down towards footlights signora have you the key of your master's valise ah madonna answer me ah mamma mia enid taking a sorbet you haven't ah caro dio it doesn't matter ah che roba he crosses stage, rolling his black eyes, passing Adrian left. Scene 14. Same. Adrian. Adrian to Enid. Have you seen Eric? Enid, sipping her sorbet. He was here a moment ago. Visitors. He seems disconcerted at sight of Reggie. Princess, continuing her conversation with Lord Orkish. I sent my new photo quarter face to the cardinal, and he said, Enid, drinking still. You'll think of the Edelweiss, won't you, if it's only a single sprig? Eh? It would so touch Nadine. Poor angel. She's always wanting some rare, far thing. I know. So be, be a dear. Reggie, deftly, to Lady Rocktower, without interrupting at all, Adrian and Enid. They had hoped it was Tiapolo, but it's only Sebastian Ricci. But it isn't the season for Edelweiss. Nonsense. I promise you. You needn't try to put me off with an excuse. Lord Orkish, very deftly, to Princess. Lady Audrey's still at Cannes. I hear you wouldn't know her. She's grown so stout. Enid, asserting her voice pathetically in general appeal. Isn't it the season for Edelweiss? For Edelweiss? I'm sure I don't know. Enid, setting down her glass. It is the season. It is. Glida, to Princess. What is the music written on your fan? A gypsy song, a chansonnette. I will wager you what you like. Edelweiss grows all the year round. Nadine, re-entering from house. I think I hear the front doorbell. 
It's amazing you hear anything. Enter Angelo, followed by Blanche. Mrs. Negress? He goes out, looking over his shoulder, apparently at Reggie. Scene 15. Same. Blanche Negress. Her hair, worn short in wild spirals, is tinged with white. She is dressed in grey, like a beguine. She has a pannier of red lilies. I walked along a pink footpath through the olive gardens till I saw a dog, which nearly drove me back. I don't know why it should be, but Italian dogs fly at me as a rule. Enid, accepting Pannier, which Blanche tends. It's nice you're coming. Do you know everybody? Lady Rocktower, Mrs. Negris, Lord Orkish, Mr. Quintus, Princess Zubaroff. Zena, this is Blanche. Delighted. I expect it was my dog. I left one at the door. He moves up. Nadine introducing. My husband. I think we've slept together once. I don't remember. At the opera, during Berenice. Why, of course. Nadine, glimpsing Eric. Mr. Tresillian. I gave you full permission to slay me. Why should she wish to slay you? Hark to his guilty conscience. Princess to Blanche. I confess with shame. I never read one of your books. It took me four years to choose my nom de guerre, Mary. <gasps> Are you Mary? I am. Oh, then, love's visé, I know. And lesbia, or would he understand? Her admiration is boundless. Enid, indicating books. By the way, Zena, I haven't thanked you properly. Were any of them interesting at all? I should think so. Cara. Enid, with a look at Eric. I'm glad I can still sometimes drug my senses with a book. I've been perusing Lord Tiredstock's memoirs. His biography is the barest memoranda, but it's wonderful. Reggie, at table where our princess's books, chuckles. What is amusing you? Arthur. What about it? It's too cruel. No. Reggie, reading. Woman is an object that always makes man ridiculous. Fiend! If she is ugly, oh, what a misery! If she is beautiful, oh, what a danger! And whether one takes her or leaves her, one always repents one's action. Well, really. Aren't you ashamed to read such things aloud to us? You said I might. Mercifully, very soon it will be too dark to read. Glida, indicating. Oh, do look at the sky. Extravagant, isn't it? Another airless night. I'm quite glad, you know, of my risorgimento cape. Put wrap on. It is lightening a little towards the town. Florence fascinates me at sundown with its scores of shimmering lights. The evenings grow dark here so very beautifully. There's a sickle moon. Where? Show me. Can't you see it? There, through the trees. She turns to Blanche. I fear I'm becoming too obese to look at the moon. Then look, do, at the shadows instead. Blanche, staring. 
the shadows adrian sees shapes and everything <laughs> he calls the trees at the foot of the garden an obscene brigade my dear if they choose to grow that way not a front stairs it's as if a spell held all fast enid sniffing mm, delicious the fresh odor of the dew my favorite tree is certainly the cypress glida taking her fan from her and using it why it tells no tales but monotonous like all evergreens are blanche blinking at a flash of summer lightning there was a beautiful thunderstorm the evening i arrived at the bretagne blanche you would see yes my room is on the river lord orkish returning i don't know at all what the arno is coming to i was leaning on my window-sill and there were some youths who appeared to be bathing without false modesty of any kind lady rocktower covering her eyes with an elaborately becoroneted vanity bag how dreadful i'm sure if i looked it was quite involuntary i'm sure you couldn't help yourself from standing and looking i love the arno at low water it's always that beyond the town it's unnavigable for even a newspaper eric to blanche enid was saying you write for one i write for several oh which mainly women's i was instrumental in a very large degree in obtaining my sex the vote you are one of our champions then yes i'm glad you believe in us men amuse me sometimes but i have never really loved one you have never loved any man never lady rocktower nervously fastening a hook to her cape it's a pleasure to meet now and again a woman of really advanced morals i can safely say i prefer the society of other women to that of men that's nice of you lady rocktower to nadine well dear i really must run i wish i hadn't had to must you stay a little while it's absurdly early yet there's to be a small sauterie this evening at the harkovs we were asked but i didn't feel like going uh, i'm far too slack to go fagging up to fiesole tonight lady rocktower to glida come child good-bye you'll come and see me sometimes won't you lady rocktower moving towards garden gate with glida often if you wish it do lady rocktower upstage at a distance tomorrow let me see is there no charming church where we could go and sit scene sixteen same minus lady rocktower and glida lord orkish low to reggie and we ought to be toddling too reggie deaf to eric we might frivol round together one evening if you like i should love to only i've no leisure for anything just now princess observant to lord orkish in spain i'm told you must first court the husband to get round the wife lord orkish appalled at so much cynicism madam madam blanche to adrian designating something 
What is that big brick pile? Adrian, looking. Where? You surely don't mean the Signoria. And such a sad, fateful sunset. Lord Orkish, touching Reggie's arm. Ready? Reggie, backing out of salute. I'm so sorry, but I clean forgot. I've a rendezvous. Where? At the quag end of the Cassine. Which end's that? The quag end. The far end. We can go part of the way together. Nadine coming down. Dear Lady Rock Tower, she gets statelier every year. Seeing Lord Orkish and Reggie are preparing to depart. What? You're off? It's getting late. Try to look in tomorrow. Reggie to Princess. Bye-bye. I press your hand. Does so. I fear I'm engaged tomorrow. Tiresome creature. Lord Orkish, as he goes up, accompanied by Reggie. I'm attending a tertulia chez Camille. Well, adio for the present. Excellent. By Garden Gate, Lord Orkish and Reggie. Blash, precipitately making after them. As they know the way, I think I'll go with them. Exit Blash. Scene 17. Same. Minus Lord Orkish, Reggie, Blash. It must be almost dinner time. I expect you're hungry after riding so far. I am. That's right. This morning my French cook got locked, by mistake, in the orchid house, and I've had nothing to eat all day. Nadine and Enid coming down. Oh, stay, stay and dine, dine with, with us. us. Impossible. Because? I must change. Look in after then. Yes, do, Zina. Perhaps I may peep in quite at the very end of the evening. We'll expect you. Princess, going. I'll bring a little volume of higher mysticism with me, shall I? That I think you'll adore. Enid, blowing her a kiss. How delightful. Till by and by. Exit, Princess. Scene 18. Adrian, Eric, Nadine, Enid. Adrian, to Eric. Shall we finish our game? By all means. Are you going indoors? Alfidasen, my deathless girl. Excellent, Adrian and Eric. Scene 19. Nadine, Enid. <sighs> why aren't the nightingales singing? And why is there no moon? But there is, dearest. A delicate new one, all for us. I mean a proper moon. My dear Enid. Focusing the moon with a black-rimmed eyeglass. I see nothing improper about this one. I meant a full moon, darling. I don't know why you should prefer it to be full. A full moon is perhaps rather vulgar. Vulgar? Just a little. Angelo enters and takes away empty glasses, murmuring intermittently to himself below his breath. Ah, la poveretta, la povera signora, che roba, Dio! He is almost crying in his distress for Enid. I suppose they leave early. I've no idea. I shan't come down. Neither will I. I intend receiving his parting peck in bed. Eric never gives me such tangible proofs of his affection. Doesn't he? In the morning he just touches my hand. And then he just grazes it, et encore, again at night. 
Nadine, after an instant, pacing to and fro. You know, Enid, I consulted Dr. Matter this morning after he'd seen you. What about? My health is in a very delicate state, dear. Darling Nadine. Yes, I may be obliged, but I won't tax your little ears with it just now. Enid, anxious to ascertain the facts. Is it anything dreadful? It depends what one means quite by dreadful. Define dreadful. Enid, taking Nadine's hand. I'm so sorry. Nadine, turning from her. Of course, we may all be wrong. I do sincerely hope so. I must go and dress. Enid, calling after her. Uh, tell Ferguson, dear, as you're going in, my gown was the camellias. Scene 20. Enid, Sola. She stands a moment, lost in conjecture. All the bells of Florence ring out. From the Judas tree a nightingale utters a trill. Another replies. All in an instant the air is full of the singing of birds, the tintinabulation of bells. The sky is abloom with stars. Enid, to herself, aloud. What can she be going to have? Moving towards a flower-plat, she inhales, indolently, a flower. A gong goes within. Right hand to hip, left raised to chevier, she goes slowly up. Enid, lifting roguishly towards the sky, her face. It sounds almost as though she were sickening for the plague. The curtain falls. End of Act One